Welcome to the Gutsy Ladies Podcast. I'm your host, Bella Reynolds, and I'm a life coach on a mission to support midlife women to live their next chapters with ease, with clarity, and with confidence, to become a gutsy lady. A gutsy lady doesn't fade or shy away, and she doesn't use midlife as an excuse to live a life less fulfilled. She thinks, if not now, when? Until now, the story of midlife hasn't supported this vision for our lives, and it's time to talk about it. In this podcast, I share insights from my personal experience, as well as thoughts and lessons from thousands of hours of coaching. If you want to live your best life and are ready to do the work, then you are in the right place. Let's get started. Thanks for joining me for another episode. And particularly because you've chosen one, which is part of my fear series. And the reason I created this is to just open up some conversations about some of the fears um, that may be lurking in your subconscious. um, And because of that, they will be, these fears will be um, inadvertently stopping you from acting. And so this one is the fear of effing up. I'm going to not put that nerdy word out there. Those who know me know I can do a little bit of potty mouth, but what what it's the fear of messing up. It's the fear of making a mistake. And um, it's, you know, because when we get into our midlife, if you haven't made some mistakes, which I'll call um you know, they, you can call them mistakes, you can call them failures, you can call them whatever, and I call them challenges that you overrode. It, it, because they are seen as a mistake, because there's so much emotion around stuffing up, they can actually, um, not necessarily the mistake itself, but all of the resulting emotion around it can actually prevent you from moving forward. And without realizing it, it's that fear of messing up again um, that will be stopping you from actually having a crack at something in the rest of your life. And if this is speaking to you, then I've got some really cool insights today because, and I'm going to share a personal story and it's a pretty big mistake. It was monumental. But now that I know what I now know and now what, because of that knowledge and being able to share it with literally, you know, hundreds of people, but thousands of hours of coaching, particularly in workplaces, I can help you to override what is basically an emotional habit loop. And a really simple um, psychology-based principle that is based on this is um, the fact that how we think leads us to how we feel and how we feel leads us to act or not act. So for example, if we think that if I just go and have another crack at X or Y, I could just stuff up again, you will feel very negative about going forward on that and your action will actually be in action. Or you may start taking some action and find yourself um, doing what I call a change U-turn and find yourself back in the same spot time and time and time again. And if that's because you fear that you could make a mistake or in your head it's probably, oh, just stuff up again, listen up. Because in this episode, I'm going to share my personal story, but I'm also going to share three fail-safe tips that I have developed and now know about being able to move forward from a mistake. 
because the the absolute simple piece to this is that it's not the mistake itself or the stuff up or the mess up or the F up. It's not that. It's actually what you start to believe about yourself after the mistake, the stuff up, the mess up. That's where the real problem lies. So I'll just, I'll dive into my personal story. So back in 2006, um, my husband and I made a decision that we would open a pizza franchise in the local town just near the um, family farming business that we lived on. And so it was my baby to do because my husband was still working in the family business at the time. And so this was in Oakey, um, a really small little town um, west of Brisbane. And that first franchise went super well. We opened the doors and we really never looked back from day one. Um, Interestingly, compared to other business um, models, when you open a franchise because you've actually got that incredible brand that you're buying at a considerable value, um, you basically open the doors um, massively. You don't have what you call a soft launch. So, look, it went super, super well and so well, in fact, that by the middle of 2006, I was approached by a local well, a developer for another local town, so 30 minutes away, a little place called Pittsworth. And this person asked me, would I consider opening my second Eagle Boys franchise? And of course, with the success of the first one, and just more than more importantly, I mean, it's still only six months under your belt, right? But what we'd managed to do was also get a manager in the position um, in the business reasonably quickly, which was always the intention. The whole reason behind, you know, creating, you know, getting into this franchising was to create a cash flow outside of the family business so that we actually, you know, felt that we had an ability to live a lot better than we were. So all of these reasons, I was approached by this developer. Now, this developer not only approached me about opening, a very clever developer also offered a fairly significant cash incentive. And the old me back then, I did the dance. I was back and forth. Do I want to? Don't I want to? Um, you know, we've got everything better down so well, but I hadn't done the 12 months of this whole business yet. But I just, it, it's really interesting. When I reflect on where I was at back then, I had such um, an exploratory, adventurous spirit around business. I didn't have any reflective practices at the time. And you're going to learn more about this in a minute. But I, you know, danced back and forth. But the big kicker for me was to get access to this cash um, uh, incentive, which I felt then once I'd bedded down the business over in Pittsworth, I could use that cash to then invest in some real estate, which was, you know, property, which is something that is, you know, a real love of mine. So I said yes. So literally with one week, um, one week shy of a year of opening the Oakey Eagle Boys, I opened the Pittsworth one. And from the very day it opened, it was not the same story. It was a slower burn. There are um, different challenges in that environment. And we were also heading into um, the GFC, (laughs) unbeknownst to me. Um, we also were in a rip-roaring um, drought in the township around Oakey and there'd been some challenges with shifts there, with the local meatworks, which was providing significant flow through. The employees of the meatworks were 
you know, really um, important to my business in Oki. So there was a series of unforeseen circumstances that meant when I went from one store to two stores, I spent the whole time putting out fires and and just spent an inordinate amount of time running the two businesses and getting management in the two businesses, as well as, you know, running a family and all the other things. And if you remember back, I said about the cash incentive, no, I couldn't take advantage of what that was because I didn't have enough time to scratch myself, let alone run these businesses, let alone invest in some property. So inevitably, taking on that second store, which just did not perform at the level that I expected it would, consequently led to a whole series of things with us getting out of that business um, or both businesses, selling them off um, within um, six years of opening Oki, opening Oki and five years opening the other. And I shared how that was in some of my other podcasts. And, um, you know, financially it was not an incredibly successful decision to buy into these and do what I did. And so I spent a lot of time ruminating about the mistake that I had made with regard to that second store and all the reasons behind it. I I spent so much time, in fact, that I was marinating in that once I'd sold both businesses. And I did find that my my self-belief, my confidence, um, my belief that I could actually go and have a crack at something like that, it was quite low. And for someone like me that is, as I said, I had a very adventurous spirit, I took a hit in my confidence. And so that same thing, that fear of messing up again, was holding me back from going again. I, at that point, was very lucky. My husband and I made the decision I would take a gap year and I went and worked in someone else's business. And it was a bike shop and I went and did my yoga teacher training And it was a really, really, really important time in my life. I knew it was at the time, but in hindsight, I now know it for even more importance. And the reason was that what I recognized and have continued to work on since is that part of that decision-making for that mistake was based on living outside in. And what that meant was that I accidentally, inadvertently, unconsciously, however you want to put it, was spending all my life and all my decision-making based on external um, requirements to help me be happy on the inside. So it was like, well, I'll get these businesses up and running and then I'll make this money and then that'll help me with what we want to do with educating the kids and retiring and doing all of that and then I'll be happy. And so I, I... I was deferring so much of my decision-making to external world. I call that outside in living. And it was incredibly useless because not only not only did it impact what choices I was making, and they weren't even choices, they were habits, based on conditioning very much about outside in, is that when I then started to revert and do what I would call inside out living, which is the style of living that I now firmly believe is the best way for any human to live. I realized I had no reflective practices. And what I mean by that is it when you get caught up in the emotional habit loop around making a mistake, one of the most powerful things you can do 
is to spend a little bit of time really coming to terms with what you're calling a mistake, really pulling it apart. It's like deconstructing it because it's actually not the mistake that is the problem. It is what you believe about yourself after that mistake has been realized. And I've said that earlier. I And I, I'll say it again because in essence, humans without reflective practices just keep rolling through with these punches and don't learn. And gratefully, I learned from that mistake, that challenge, that, you know, that stuff up. And that's why I'm in the position I am now, not just financially, but also in this role that I play with helping other people and particularly my my midlifers. And so I just want to now share what I've come up with is three fail-safe tips to help you deal with what you see as a mistake. And um, this all comes to, I have developed um, a, 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 a new little mini course, just a a taster course for someone that is wanting to um, really start to live from the inside out and start setting some goals based around. And I'll share a bit more about this because this is part of what we do within that mini course. First fail-safe tip. So fail-safe tip number one, you are not your mistake. The mistake that you have made is not your new identity unless you choose it to be. So what do I mean by that? With me making that silly decision to ba- take on that second store and all the consequences that came from it, what I was believing about myself and my new identity that I took on and I didn't know it at the time, but the reflective practices helped me to see it for what it was, I started to believe that that one decision made me a crap business person. That one decision made me... Um, dumb. Um, I should have been able to see what was going ahead. I started to really doubt all my skill set and um, just from one mistake, you know, and I was marinating in that for some silly amounts of time. And that it's actually that new belief about that new identity and seeing yourself as in a negative space from that one mistake that you make, that is what leads to your lack of self-confidence. So the most important thing is divorce the mistake from your identity. I was a successful businesswoman at the time and made um, not the smartest next business move. Yeah, it was a mistake in hindsight, but with all the information I had available at the time and the operating system I had at the time, it was the best I could do at the time. So it wasn't actually really a mistake. And also it didn't, you know, now in reflection, it does not define who I am. And that's what you've got to be careful about. If you are someone who is constantly worried about messing up again and, you know, stuffing up and so because of that you're not wanting to move forward, sit down and have a think. Are you actually linking some of the mistakes you've made in life with your identity? Because you're not you are not your mistakes. You are not your stuff-ups. You are you. And yes, you have maybe done some things that on reflection were not the smartest, but that doesn't make you not smart. So I hope you're seeing the delineation here. Humans love attaching identity in the negative sense 
I spend my whole life helping people to assume new identities. I wish they could take on their new identities as quickly as they take on the negative. (laughs) So number one, you are not your mistake. Divorce your mistake from your identity. Number two, very potent, forgive yourself. Yep, forgive yourself. (laughs) If your inner critic is screaming at you around that mistake, Find ways to bring in self-compassion and compassionate practices. A quote from Oprah Winfrey is one of my favourites these days. I know better, I do better. The person you were the day that you made the choices or what now looks to be a mistake, that is a different person today on reflection. Make, Make the most of that. See it for what it is and move on. And also part of that with that forgiveness is also to really look at (laughs) where was some good about this? And that's been really interesting because um, when I reflected on, I mean, it was a hard mistake. It took three years to fully process buying that business and then ultimately so what time it was three it, it took um basically it took the best part of two years to sell um after I'd made that decision to sell so I owned that business for five years that the second business and so when you think about it that was a big mistake right it could be one to be looked at and going oh my god five years of my life wasted hell no what I could view as a mistake and then consequently viewed about myself in poor business light, there were so many wins in that business. You know, this is the irony. While I was berating myself for being not the smartest in the business sense, at the time we were winning so many awards nationally through the Eagle Boys franchise. These two little stores with these incredible staff, all youngies, who, you know, when they were taught the techniques with how to, you know, look after customer service and create great pizzas and all that sort of stuff, they just blossomed. There was so much good that came out of those five years. So forgiving yourself and coming to terms with the real reality of what went on, that is where you need to be. That's your identity. You need to be the sort of person who does stuff like that. And reflective practices such as, you know, journaling and meditation um, and just taking time out to reflect on what's gone well, what could have gone better. All of that stuff is vital inside to outside living. And then the third fail-safe tip. So number one was you are not your mistake. It is not your new identity. Number two is forgive yourself. Third one, choose to prioritise your confidence. So when you recognize that you are dealing with, you know, a perception of a mistake, one of the best things you can do is recognize that it's taking away your confidence. And so I encourage you to start looking at some goals or some activities that are related around building confidence because that requires action. When people come to me and say, I'm feeling like I really just don't have the confidence to do what I want. The challenge is you are never, no one ever has the confidence, the full 100% ready to go green light to do what they want. If you are waiting for the confidence to get on the horse again, you're never, ever going to go. 
So action breeds confidence. And um, deliberate action, which is intended around dealing with, dealing with making a mistake, will breed the quickest confidence boost. And that's exactly what I deal with with my Real Goals mini course. I get you to do a very simple practice within it where you have a look at every single area of your life and you choose an area where you want to make change in and then let's prioritize yours to be around building confidence in that area. And we do it with baby steps. Anybody who's been listening to this podcast of any number of episodes knows that I'm all about little baby steps incrementally, consistently, and basically doing stuff which you think is almost impossible to fail on. And guess what happens? You start to grow in confidence. It is fail safe. But unless you know that this is your intention, unless you start to set um, set real goals, which is R-E-A-L, means they're relevant, they're um, enriching, they're aligned, and they light you up, which is a whole new way of living as well, all linked to inside to out living. Unless you know this stuff, you can't operate on it. So I hope, I hope that's been useful. If if you now recognize that the fear of messing up and in brackets in the back of your mind again is holding you back, I hope you've taken some nuggets out of this and will consider going in and just having a look. Um, the link will be in the notes about this real goal mini course. And I'm just gonna wrap it up with just finishing about my story. Okay, so I shared that very personal example where I felt I'd made a major mistake and from that what I started to believe about myself. Now that I have got the value of these reflective practices, it is quite mind-blowing to me that if I had not gone and made that, if you could see me, I'm putting in quotation marks, mistake, I would not have the richest richness of experiences that I have that I share with all my clients and even more importantly with my family as they move forward and lastly since then making all the next business decisions I made because once bitten twice shy I learnt from that mistake and I learned to have these um, reflective practices in person and I learned how to live from the inside out And what I mean by that, if that's not clear, it means that I check in within what I truly want and truly desire, and I move forward with that information to the outside, because then I have no attachment to what's going on in the outside, because I have connected within to know what is important to me and what I want, and I do it every day in my meditation practice, and it just makes life so much easier, so much happier, so much more rewarding, so much more wisdom (laughs) and yes I still make mistakes but guess what the reframe is so easy now hope this has helped look forward to any feedback you've got on it and I hope it helps you to move forward and start taking action thanks for listening to another episode of the gutsy ladies podcast do you think you've actually got a fear or a confusion around the whole concept of retirement, you may actually have a bit of retirement denial, well, I'd love you to download my free guide to how to remove retirement denial. Click on the link in the show notes in your podcast app. If you haven't already, I'd love you to subscribe and send this episode to a friend 
who may just need a little reminder that she's a gutsy lady too. See you next week.